Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning to those of you joining us online today. I am Dean Knuckles, your chairman of Church Council. I'm thankful for your time and your attention today as we look at some verses which will provide insight on the importance of our place in the Lord's mission for Timberlake as we continue our series, We Are the Church. Let me say that I stand before you today as a sinner saved by grace. Amen? Amen. With no particular acumen or formal training to lead you, what I do have is a desire to share what I've seen in my own walk, and in doing so, perhaps illuminate you in your walk. I'm holding my personal Bible today, which is riddled with notes and dates on the edges of pages from the number of sermons and studies that I participated in in my 40-plus years as a Christian. We saw this morning the young people getting their Bible. I encourage you as a parent to allow them to write inside of it. Make a mess, draw lines, put dates in there, put their thoughts. I've looked back over this and, and seen over the years, many years of verses that I've studied and things that come to my mind when I'm having a life situation that it has application. I've got my quarterback sleeve on this morning for those that are athletic-minded. It's not the actual sleeve that I carry to Thailand but it's a replication of it. If you would, jump on the plane with me, or if you're afraid of planes, get in your submarine, and let's travel over to Thailand. Okay, we're there, um, and we're out. I was happened to be the part of a project called the Southern Cross Project, and it's where we had Bibles that had been translated into Mandarin Chinese. Now, before I go any further, is there anybody here that speaks fluent Mandarin? Raise your hand. Because it's been a minute for me and I may muck things up a little bit. So if you will, uh, if you'll indulge me, we're going to practice a few Mandarin Chinese sayings. Sheng Jin. Sheng Jin. There you go. That's the Bible. Ni Hao. Ni Hao. Hello. That's Hello. Mine fei so gay ni. Mine fei so gay ni. Good job. This is a free gift I give to you. So I want you to imagine for a moment uh, this concrete pier that goes out some couple hundred feet. It's about 30 feet wide. And the Chinese love to vacation in Thailand. It's their Myrtle Beach, if you will. And so you can't go into communist China and hand out Bibles. Uh, that won't allow that there in that communist country. But when they leave their home country and they travel to Thailand, they can encounter smiling American faces on this pier where Chinese tourists will arrive by the busload to go out on a dinner cruise, and they get dinner and a show. And so as part of this project, we would have cases and cases of Bibles that have been translated to the Mandarin Chinese language. And when we would see a bus arrive, we would get together and hold hands and we would pray, oftentimes with the assistance of the bus driver, uh, 
who would say, hey, you're going you're gonna to meet some folks here from America, and uh, it's a free gift. You're welcome to take it. And as they unloaded off the bus and walked down this concrete pier to get on the dinner boat, they would take these Bibles from us, and we would empty boxes and boxes. Now, sometimes the bus driver may not be a believer or uh, might be new or whatever the circumstances were. And in that case, the, the Chinese people would walk right past us. They wouldn't even want to make eye contact. And so, again, we would use some of these phrases. Um, I'm going to go deep into my playbook here. Dwe Bu Chi. Dwe Bu Chi, which is, I'm sorry, didn't want to offend. Yi So I Ni. Yi So I Ni. Jesus loves you. And so we would say these things to try to break the ice, if you will. And when, if they wouldn't take a Bible, they would get on the dinner cruise and come back. We would be all prayed up. And when they come back, oftentimes we could empty the cases of Bibles on their return. And there was a bunch of people before us and a bunch of people after us. Now, the interesting thing to point out here, Chinese people are avid readers. So if you could get a Bible into one China person's hands, 10 people on average would read it. 10 people on average, on average. They would read it thoroughly from cover to cover, and they would pass it on to someone they knew. Now, I don't know about you, but those are pretty tremendous odds of getting the gospel out in that situation. <clears throat> I remember sitting in my Sunday school class one day some years ago, and a young lady of Asian descent was looking at her phone while the rest of us were studying our pages in the Sunday school class. And I'm thinking to myself, how rude this guest of our Sunday school class is on her phone, and we're all deep in the Word in our, in our Bibles. And uh, I guess you know what I'm going to say next. Again, this was several years ago. She was using her app, her app on her phone. Yeah. So I don't know about you all, but I finally, I've been convinced and I've converted over and I've got an application of the Bible on my phone. And when Pastor Brad prepares a sermon, I'm highlighting those and it records the date and time and I can go back and look at that. And uh, it's pretty handy. And we take our phones everywhere. So we can start a conversation by saying, have you read the number one all-time bestseller? Because the Bible is the most printed book in the world. What a great conversation starter. Have you read the all-time bestseller? Well, what are you talking about? I've, I've looked at the New York top 10. I don't know about this book you speak of, the Bible. Not only that, ladies and gentlemen, it's our instruction book for life. We're sometimes rebellious when it comes to instruction. Men have a well-documented history for not following the directions. It appears that we're complicit in our omission from seeing what the Bible has to say about life situations. My wife, Brenda, 42 years, is currently reading the Bible through in a year. She sets her alarm clock to go off at 5 a.m., and this woman gets up, goes and gets her bowl of Cheerios with strawberries cut up in it and her cup of coffee, and I'm pretty sure it's to keep me alive and not her. <laughs> and then she'll go into the kitchen and pull the pocket door shut in the kitchen, and she'll study 
the Word. She's a tremendous testimony to me. Perhaps some of you are reading the Bible through in a year. I don't want to steal anybody else's thunder. Is anybody else reading it through in a year right now? Yep, there we go, young lady. I'm sure you're a testimony to somebody as well. Today we're going to look at some verses that perhaps I'll be able to offer you a fresh look in how Jesus' Word has application and how we can sharpen our ability to recognize the opportunities before us. Join me, if you will, if you will, in looking in your Bible. We're going to, or in your app, uh, in the New Testament, Mark four verses one through twenty. Um, we'll read these together. But before we do, you might say, Dean, what do you know about farming? I present to you Exhibit A. This is a crop of clover in my front yard. Now, for many years, can you zoom in on that? Uh, maybe we can possibly pick up uh, some pollinators. Maybe not. But um, for years, I took great pride in making sure there was no clover in my yard. But now that I'm into the autumn of my years, some, say, some would say heading into the dead of winter, uh, I don't really care much about the clover in my yard anymore. Um, I'm supportive of the apiarist out there. And no, that's not a derogatory term. That would be those people who are beekeepers. So uh, if you're a pollinator, if you keep pollinators, butterflies and bees and what, whatnot, I'm doing all I can, as you can see. I was doing a Google search recently for the word consternation, and Google defined it as feelings of anxiety or dismay, typically it's something unexpected. Now, here's the segue. They always give the example of the word in the sentence, so you know how to use it, right? It's real handy. Here's the segue. The, the, the definition in the sentence, it says, I always welcome clover, much to the consternation of the neighbors. Now, you're welcome to look that up. I am XM serious. It's in there. All right. So let's take a look at the verses together, the parable of the sower, uh, chapter 4. Verse 1, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd gathered around him and was so large that he got into a boat and set it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Verse 2, he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. <coughs> Listen, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up and produced a good crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some even 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding, 
Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, it only lasts a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, Desires for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times that what was sown. When I was reading these passages in preparation for our participation today, it occurred to me that the 12 who were chosen by God, mind you, were not getting it. You see, in verse 13, where Jesus seems to admonish his disciples, are you paying attention? Don't you understand that aha moment when God is the farmer in this parable and he has spread his, his seed, which is his word, to his followers, you and me. And now as we mature in the faith, we're called through our gestures, our speech, our testimony in this moment of encounter with another brother or sister in the Lord, or perhaps even a non-believer, the same seeds of faith. As we grow in our faith, we, and I love saying this by the way, we get off the milk and we move on to the meat of the word. It's that time when a true joy, a joy in our hearts and a desire to bring our family, our friends, our co-workers, and neighbors into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When we display that something that people sense that is different to the point that they want what we have. Now, I'm the default member in my family to get asked to pray for thanks in about every meal gathering. Even when our friends go out with Brenda and me, we hold hands and everybody looks at me. Now, I'm not reluctant to, to pray for the meal, and I'm always ready to yield to someone who might feel led to do so. Perhaps you're that person in your circle. Show of hands if you're the one that your family looks to. Yeah, a few of you out there. Great, great testimony. I don't say this, uh, and please don't interpret uh, this as me being uh, boast, boastful or boasting. Um, what, I, what I want it to be is an encouragement to be that person. It's not uncommon to have a stranger stop by our table and say, thank you for your prayer or thank you for your testimony by, by praying. And we're, when, we're in our, uh, uh, when we're in a restaurant, of course, uh, we don't have many strangers in our kitchen. Uh, well, they're not strange to me. <laughs> I think you know what I mean. In verses 14 and 15, we're perhaps to interpret that your acts of kindness have been discarded. You just bought lunch for your friend or you invited a neighbor to come to a ball game with you or you let the guy in front of you out in traffic. Any of these acts might go without a gesture of thanks from the recipient. 
We, I dare say all of us, have a family member or someone in our circle that by all indications does not have the love of Jesus in their heart. And we have a desire and a longing for them because we care about them. Your attempts to participate in their faith journey may fall on deaf ears. We've already seen in verse 9, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I want to share a story with you where a friend and I went ATVing in the National Forest where there's a fee to ride the, the trails. So they have a steel post set up in the National Forest and it's a slot cut in it. And when you arrive, you write your license number down from your vehicle and put your money in the envelope and put it in a slot and then you go for a ride. Now the idea is it's not monitored by a human, but the park ranger could come by and check it. And if your car is there and you haven't paid, you're going to pay a fine. And so uh, this fellow from Roanoke had come, come to ride on the trails here in the National Forest and he was unaware that he had to pay. Now keep in mind, it's the honor system. And so without hesitation, I said, here, I'll, I'll, pay, I'll pay for you. And so I gave him the money and he put it in the post and went on for the ride. Later on on the trail, uh, my friend and I had stopped to take a break and he, uh, he stopped, stopped for a break and, and, uh, and joined us. And he said, uh, I, I just couldn't believe that you would just pay for a stranger. Now, that, this event that I'm sharing with you may not be that significant of a thing, but, but uh, what I want to point out to you, to him it was significant. And I said, listen, I said, I was happy to do it. Have a blessed day and maybe go and pay it forward. So now that's not the end of the story. Later on that day, um, my friend and I went to Otter Creek Campground ground, uh, Restaurant. Now, for those of you that used to enjoy the buckwheat pancakes there, know that that's not been open for many years now. It's closed up. But my friend and I were sitting at the counter and we had placed our order and it was taking forever to get our food. And my friend said, hey, let's, let's just roll on out of here. And I said, no, we're on, we're on Blue Ridge Parkway Mountain time. Let's just chill. And so we continued to sit at the counter and joke back and forth amongst ourselves. And finally our food come and it was a delicious meal. And when we went to pay for our meal, someone had paid for it. It turns out they were entertained by our commentary to one another and, uh, and paid our bill. Now, in that moment, and you've probably had a moment that's similar, you need to recognize just what happened. Here I'd helped somebody out who didn't have the money, didn't know they needed to pay, and before I got off the parkway, our meal was taken care of. We helped one, somebody paid for two. Now, in those moments is when we have an opportunity to recognize the giver. And I trust that in the giving and the receiving of those blessings that we were both good witnesses. Now, we've got two physical ears attached to our head, but you and I know if you have children, that doesn't mean that somebody's listening. My encouragement for you today is that we cannot be distracted by the lack of reception. Pastor Brad plans and prepares to bring us a great sermon every week. Amen? Amen. 
I would also submit to you that sometimes we feel like that a particular message was not meant for us. You know, when we say, I wish Bob were here to hear this. (laughs) Or, I know Mary really needed to hear this today. But oftentimes, the message falls firmly at our own feet for us to see and to respond. How do you know which sermon to attend unless you are present for most of them? Likewise, those whom we have an opportunity to be the face of Jesus, we cannot presume that it falls away. Some whose path we cross will not see what we have, but our efforts to be the church must be long-suffering in those moments. Remember, God is the one that does the multiplying. In verses 16 and 17, we perhaps, we are able to see that we have an impact in someone's life. Our neighbor or coworker responds and joins in worship or fellowship or becomes a member of a life group, only to fall away or offer up excuses to infrequently attend and become involved. The excitement is like that of a puppy full of energy and spunk but then not too focused on the task at hand. Remember how we talked a little bit ago about being on the milk of the word, much like a baby. We also were new in our relationship and needed much encouragement and patience. So is the case for those who begin their faith journey with enthusiasm, but quickly fall away because of the distractions of life enter in. Be steadfast in showing your support in those ways which might encourage their return. In verses 18 and 19, we can see opportunities as the farmer not to tear down our own word, our church. We may be gossipers or speakers of hearsay and speak of our faith while squeezing in those words that make no good case for joining other sinners right here in worship. We speak of worldly accumulation and riches in this world while allowing only a minor intrusion of faith as we walk among non-believers. Finally, in verse 20, we're blessed to be the farmer who spoke words of encouragement and through acts of service, sharing our bounty, our wisdom, our life experiences, gave testimony that resulted in a transforming grace that adopted another believer into his kingdom. Remember, it's God who does the multiplying. It's important to remember that God does not need us to accomplish his plans and purposes. For they will be accomplished with or without us. However, he is well pleased when his people come alongside him to serve in his mission to save lives and make disciples. We are all good at something. Just ask somebody that knows you well. We know what Garfield is good at. Many years ago, I became the lay leader for our church youth group, just as the paid staff who were to lead the youth on a trip to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, answered a call to go to Texas to serve in a group home for boys. So I ended up being the leader of the young people to go to Gatlinburg 
where Andy Stanley was going to be leading a series on SEX. Yeah, that was stressless. I served for some time among those youth, and uh, three young men reached out to me not too long ago. The three young men that were in our youth group, they've gone on to get married and have families of their own and beginning to serve in their own communities. And uh, one of them gave me a phone call and reached out to me and he said, uh, wanted to thank me for my mentorship, leadership, the camping and canoeing trips that we attended during their high school years. He's now part of a new church startup where he lives. Another young man had called me recently as well that was in the same youth group. And he's uh, now working for a company that publishes uh, a national publication for Christian learning material, Lifeway. Have you heard of it? (laughs) Um, Now, as far as I'm concerned, the Lord used me. That's not me boasting again. Please don't interpret that. But it's making yourself available. It's saying yes when you're being asked to lead to see the, the multiplying take place. We've been taught through his word that Jesus' time on earth was about 33 years. Much of what he accomplished for the Lord did not come about until he was grown, perhaps only in the last three or four years of his life here on earth. You've been present today to hear this message from the verse titled, The Parable of the Sower. Perhaps your blessings of money, land, produce, Knowledge, life experiences, leadership, and certainly Christian love will cultivate you in the spirit of the farmer. I'll leave you with this question today. What is the number of your years? God bless you and thank you for allowing me to share. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you do in our lives. Lord, we thank you for these young people that came forward today as they move up uh, to receive their Bible. Lord, we just pray that you'll multiply your word in their minds and hearts. Lord, that their families, their mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and grandmothers and grandfathers will continue to lead them and encourage them in the word. Lord, uh, be with our caregivers uh, this fall our teachers, our assistants, volunteers. Lord, go ahead and, and prepare the way for them that, that they might uh, be nurtured and that their young minds would, would want to know more about you and, Lord, that they would also become involved. Lord, give us the burden on our hearts to show us how we could be a better farmer now that you've taught us. We know it's our responsibility to be able to reach, feed, and release in our own communities. Lord, we just thank you you, for what you've done at Timberlake Church for the growth. Lord, uh, be with us now as we continue our worship in song. And we'll give you the glory and honor and thanks for all of this. In your son Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.